Hey, what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is a podcast about anything and everything that can drive a sane person stark raving mad. It could be about news, sports, weather, the bus, the train, crackheads, giant umbrellas in the rain. None of that is even really fucking relevant because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and now we are in the middle of a tinderbox of just the absolute most utterly gut-wrenching... I don't even know what you call it when the shithole Nazi white supremacist in the Plantation White House literally gives a green light to his clans people because looting started that they can now start shooting willy-nilly protesters and demonstrators in the street. I don't even know. It, it, it's left me almost speechless and gobsmacked and furious and just enraged and you sit here feeling completely fucking useless and so I wanted to talk to I want to talk about Lincoln I wanted to talk about Lincoln I can't even compose sentences I wanted to talk to Lincoln because Lincoln has great insight on these things as as he always does and I think he provides um, a much better uh, commentary dropping the uh, pearls of wisdom the pearls of knowledge uh, that we can all take and use and 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 learn from. Uh, so I am, I'm actually looking for that. This is, this might be the most selfish podcast I've ever done because I, I need some help. I need some guidance. I, I need to maybe hear how, how to better participate and I need to talk to more people. So I, I, I think that th- this is, this is the beginning and should be for a lot of people, the beginning of a lot of longer conversations and a lot of, uh, a lot of inflection and, 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 introspection and um work that need that clearly still needs to be done so i'm i'm i will let the rant rant for itself uh and uh you know let lincoln kick it like lincoln always does all right lincoln so let's um i think it's an opportune time since we last left talking about literally the tinderbox of the country i I think those tweets i mean I, i know that that tweet literally could have potentially just lit the fuse for, like, an all-out race war. And I have to say, there's been clearly nothing on TV for the last three nights other than them completely scorched, earthing the entire city, which, okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, I think, you know, it is what it is, and they have to do what they have to do. But, I, I, I mean, the video... The replaying of the video, the other angles of the video, the press conference that was an absolute clusterfuck of a disaster after that. I, I just think there's so much to talk about, and I think, I don't know if I want to tie it in to, to, to Central Park. I know a lot of people are tying it in. I personally find them completely not comparable. Um, that might be me and my ignorance, and I'm okay with you schooling me on that. Um, but I think you have a lot more salient points to make. And I'm just like, I, I, part of me is scared and I am going to go on Amazon and order a fucking baseball bat. And I'm not kidding because it is just me in my apartment. Kircher is of no use. And I, I, I think that shit's going to get bad. I think it's going to get worse. And I don't know. I could be wrong. You could prevent me from buying well, a baseball well, bat. First but of all, go ahead. Um, uh, I still have the baseball bat from Bat Day Candlestick Park in 1982, which is a real size baseball bat. I think it, that thing could, could kill somebody. Not that I so bad. So, so uh, yeah, buy a baseball bat if you want, but hopefully we'd use it to play baseball again sometime. I would I hope so. my grandfather's shillelagh and my sword. So. Uh, you're set. I know that you're set, but I think <laughs> but, we really need to... I don't believe in violence, and I, and I, and I don't want it to come. It's not for me for violence. It's for me no. for th- 1,000% self-protection. But I will say this. 
I will say this. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is a very smart woman, and she's a little bit older than me. And she's a very smart woman. She's a scholar, but she's done interesting work all over the world. She's got a very good job here in New York. And uh, let's just say this, is not a big fan of Donald Trump and uh, is concerned about a lot of things you're talking about. But unlike you and me, this woman served for 20 years in the United States Army. Uh, and, uh, and she said, I learned how to fire basically every kind of weapon there is. So she's not bullshitting. And she said, I haven't owned a gun since I got my honorary discharge from the military. You know, I'm not that kind of a person. But she says she's thinking about it. And this is a rational person who is, who, unlike you or me, like if you gave her, unlike those idiots in Michigan, she would know how to actually use those weapons and, and more powerful weapons. So you're, so this fear is real. It um, is. And it's, and it's been further exacerbated by the shithole racist in the White House who's being egged on by the little tweeting Nazi vampire who's giggling, I'm sure, in his coffin when the president tweets, uh, lo- looting leads to shooting. So, uh, Right. I, I want to. Um, I want to just go back. Uh, there's a lot of things here I want to talk about. Go ahead. But, so, so maybe I'll start with this as a big kind of macro thing. In 1992, when Bill Clinton ran for president, there was this. I thought it was an annoying thing where, where you know the Clinton slogan unofficially was "It's the economy, stupid." Right. Just keep talking about the economy. But I think if you want to understand America and American politics today, yesterday, tomorrow, always, it's the racism, stupid. The racism. Right. Race and racism is at the absolute core of what our political society is and what our society is generally. And if you choose to ignore that because essentially you're white and privileged, okay, first of all, that's a moral failing. But, but intellectually, you will never understand America. Um, so I want to start with that. But then I want to start with something because I want to move on to something that I was just thinking about because I was doing some research for a book project that had nothing to do with Donald Trump. But I was researching the 1966 governor's race in California. Um, and, and the reason that was an important election, for, for not for my purposes, but for historical purposes, because the Democrat was a, was a very centrist uh, two-term incumbent named Pat Brown, whose son Jerry Brown became even more famous. And Pat Brown was a guy, he helped build the University of California system, helped make sure water got around the state. He was a centrist. And he was defeated by a right-wing Republican uh, who had never held office before, named Ronald Reagan. And when Reagan ran for, for president in 1960, governor in 1966, later ran for president, as, as some of you may know, he, um, he spent a lot of time attacking and kind of making a, a, uh, a target out of the demonstrators at UC Berkeley. As governor, I think I mentioned this on the show before, as governor, who referred to, stop it if I did, he, I was in, he referred to UC Berkeley, which is the best public university in the country at the time, as a four-year course in drugs, sex, and treason. Well, when I learned about that when I was in high school, I said, I got to get good grades so I can go to Berkeley. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. But many of my friends did um, and, and reported that basically, yeah, he was right. Um, and, but they were very happy about that. But, um, but the point is, so he did that. And he made the students at Berkeley, many of whom were white. This wasn't a race thing, but they were hippies. They had long hair. But, but the difference is this. He ran for governor. If he had lost, right, if he had lost to Pat Brown, he ended up beating him badly, unfortunately. I mean, I would have supported Brown in that race. If he had lost, he would have gone back to Hollywood, to his life as a kind of B-level celebrity with his money and his nice ranch house and his family, right? And, you know, been a talk show, whatever, maybe would have run it later, whatever. Therefore, he knew not to raise the stakes too high. And Reagan, as a candidate, was a very divisive. As governor, he was not quite as divisive. Candidate, very divisive. But Trump is in a different situation. Now, here we're talking about race, which is much more inflammatory always in America. But for Trump... The stakes are much higher. If he loses, he goes to jail. That's what's going through his head. 
Therefore, he will not hesitate to escalate and escalate and escalate. Now, I don't like this term race war because I think it sounds more – it simplifies it, but – well, yeah, which is because I clearly don't have the depth of knowledge but, that you nor, do. Nor is it easy to think of like a two-word slogan, but I think that going into a period of growing domestic instability and racial tension and violence, and by violence, I, I think that's a real possibility, but by violence, I want to be clear what I mean. The violence here is the man who killed George Floyd. Correct. The policeman. The violence here is the policeman who killed uh, Stephon Clark in Sacramento in 2018 because he had a, he was holding this, which obviously looks like a gun, right? Anybody can see that. Right, you held right? up your cell phone. Go ahead. Right. The violence was the guy, Eric Garner, who was killed in Staten Island, right, um, who, who, who said, I can't breathe, which is now like the mantra of the dying African-American at the hands of the white cop. The violence is Michael Clark in, uh, in Missouri, Ferguson, Missouri. The violence is mass incarceration, right? The violence is children in cages at the border. State sanctioned violence against people of color is the real violence in America. And now what, domestically speaking, and now what Donald Trump is doing is he is buttressing that violence Mm -hmm. with mobilizing vigilantes of the same ideological white supremacist ilk to take up arms. And if you think that African-American or Latino demonstrators armed that heavily could have stood outside of the state capitol exactly shot. And the reason there are gun regulation laws in California is because the Black Panthers did that and that famous liberal Democratic governor, Ronald Reagan, said, enough, we got to pass some laws here so, because black people were taking up arms. So, so this is so much about a response to state-imposed violence going back to the slavery, going back to the Middle Passage. The experience, if you were African, I'm a white dude, so I want to be clear here. I'm just, I don't have this experience, but I, 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 what I know is reading books and observing things and, and things like that. But the, the experience is one of state, and by state, understand that means white, sponsored and supported violence from day one, from before African-Americans were citizens of this country. So I think we have to look at what's happening in Minneapolis and other cities in that context. And while I, I honestly don't want anyone to get hurt, you know, um, I, there was a senator from, from the state of Minnesota, ironically, who was a liberal Democrat named Hubert Humphrey. I don't know if you familiar with Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey was briefly vice president of the United States, but he was also one of the first senators as governor, actually, of, of Minneapolis, excuse me, as mayor of Minneapolis or St. Paul, I forget. He famously insisted that the Democratic Party put a civil rights plank into their 1948 platform. There's an early kind of white support of the civil rights movement. He became a liberal Democratic senator. He ran for president in 1960 on a more liberal alternative to John Kennedy, didn't win, et cetera, et cetera. And when he was vice president, they, people, they, used to, they would call them riots, which I think is the wrong word. And Humphrey was, he was a smart guy, progressive guy, but this very nevishy kind of Midwestern kind of looking guy. Humphrey said two things. One, one thing, one of the best lines in political, political history in the United States, he said, Jews vote like Puerto Ricans and live like Episcopalians, um, which is a great line. But he also said, he said, you know, if I was living up there with no job and with rats eating, nibbling at my baby's feet, I could start a pretty good riot too. And he said that 50 years ago, right? So, sadly, very little has changed, except it's gotten worse in many respects. I think it's gotten a hell of worse. And certainly with mass incarceration, which is a huge part of this puzzle, and, and with a renewed effort. So, so let's say you're saying to those African-American people in Minneapolis and elsewhere, hey, don't use violence. Why don't you use the ballot? Remember, the ballot or the bullet, right? Okay, but at the same time, they're taking away their rights to vote. The white powers in the Republican Correct. Party are taking away and putting obstacles in front of African-Americans who want to exercise their franchise in uh, November to, to vote uh, for Joe Biden. 
So, so that's the context. And what concerns me, I mean, you alluded to Trump's tweets. And I've only seen some of them because I, I can't get too crazy here. But he doesn't care if there's violence. What he cares about is Donald Trump, first, last, and always. And if violence serves him, not only the broader picture of, you know, staying in office, but just making a few people retweet him, right, is the, the adrenaline that the Internet provides. That's what he wants. And he doesn't I care. think he wants to see. I actually think he wants to see on the TV someone get shot. I, I think that would I think nothing right. would make him happier because when you tweet from your personal account thugs in the tweet and he's done the thug thing before and then he's done the looting leads to shooting and then Jack at Twitter censors that and puts a little label saying right. this is glorifying violence and then they just tweeted it from the White House Twitter account. So now it is an official statement of the White House right. sanctioning violence. I think this guy wants nothing more than to see somebody, some vigilante, some white Nazi supremacist with a fucking AK-47 walk up and pop some brown-skinned, black, minority protester on national television. Or he wants to see an African American with a gun shoot a white cop on national television. Yes, and I think that that is terrifying, and I think that yeah. that is at that point I mean, it's a fucking shit show. And you bring in, and now there's the national guard rolling through everywhere, and now there's everything set up, and now journalists are getting arrested with their credentials about, on. We've been talking about this for a while; these to related topics. And I just want to say something. Um, I'm uh, I'm going to make a baseball analogy, but not a complicated one. So forgive me. No, I can but follow. I like baseball. There's a lot of people in America right now who are saying we're on the precipice of this or we're about to have that. What, what they are doing, imagine you're at a baseball game and you're rooting for the Yankees, right? And uh, Bucky Dent's at bat, the old Yankees. Go old Yankees. Yeah. Yes. And you're rooting for the Yankees and, and it's, they're losing 5 nothing in the sixth inning. Eh, that's, that, you, you can come back, but that's bad, right? Yeah. What's happening now is they're losing 5 nothing in the sixth inning, and everyone is looking at, uh, up and saying, hey, it's the first, it's still early. It's still early. You hear people say that at a ball game. it's still early. It's not. The only 12 outs to go or you lose, right? Right. That's where the United States is now. These people, we're on the precipice. We are in the thick of it. We are in a cold civil war right now. We are in the depths of a constitutional crisis. If you don't believe that, look at what everything, uh, well, I'm about to call him Roy Cohn, and that's a, oh, not even a Freudian slip, it's almost deliberate. Look at everything Bill Barr has done since he became attorney general. Well, look at the travesty of, 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 that this administration has wrought on the Constitution. We are in the middle of it now. We're not in the beginning. We're in the middle of it. Trump's, Trump's when the president of the United States tweets that, what he tweeted today and yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before, going back, you know, for a long time now. We are no longer the functioning democracy. We are no longer the cohesive unitary state we thought we were and we were for many years. We are not. It is not a matter of staunching the bleeding. It is a matter of staunching the bleeding and or, or it's not a matter of being afraid that they're gonna, there's going to be a, 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 the, your arm's going to break. It's a matter of resetting the broken arm. Right. And we have to begin thinking about it like that. And we're not because we just, I mean, arresting, uh, harassing people from, from, from CNN, the, the president encouraging race-based violence. What? I mean, well, who else? I mean, let, look, we can go back. Who else followed orders when they were told to follow orders? The fucking Nazis. I mean, this is not this is not rocket science. But here's the difference, Randy. They here's didn't the arrest a white reporter. He was not I mean, white. 
I mean, the the uh, the Nazis, and again, there's some uh, historical dispute about this. It's not clear. Many of them were. Many of the Nazis did not have to be encouraged to commit yes, these acts. Yes, outside. yes. But some did. But the people he's encouraging, they're, they, 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 they badly, they, these are these thuggy, angry, bitter, racist, overarmed, childlike white dudes. They're chomping at the bit. They're chomping guns. at the bit. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And, and it's they, terrifying. And what, it's not that Trump encouraged them. But Trump, Trump just says, hey, it's OK by me. Right. Okay, by me. He just literally gave them the right. green light to start right. shooting people in a fucking but, tweet. But you know, I mean, I mean, this is an example, and and you know, there is a. I, I want to be for thirty seconds optimistic, right? Yeah. There's an example. There's there's a possibility. I think a likelihood that Joe Biden wins in November. There's a possibility that he becomes president in January, and there's a possibility that by summer of next year, we're thinking that Trump period is over. It's history. All the Republicans are distancing themselves from him, and there's 30 percent hardcore, but the country's moving forward. But there's also the possibility that when we look back, we realize this was the third inning of that nine inning game that ended with the United States losing or the fifth inning. Right. This is the kind of violence. Let's say that some of those uh, thugged out Trump supporters shoot some of those demonstrators. I, I hope well, there was bad. a shot fired in Colorado. Somewhere there right. was a shot fired. But let's say they killed two or three of them, right? I'm looking at those demonstrators. I've seen some of the footage. They're not taking that line down. Yeah. Right? They're no. not saying, okay, you win. We're going home. They're not going to do that, and they shouldn't, right? So now what happens? Now what happens in, I don't know, I'm going to pick a city, Memphis, Baton Rouge, one of a thousand cities in America, uh, uh, Oakland, right? Well, and that's 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 why I don't like this language of race war. Yeah, sorry, war. I don't know what else to call because it. Because it makes it seem more simple, right? What we're talking about is violence, chaos, instability, and importantly, economic collapse. Now right. our economy is already in the toilet because of of Trump's largely because of Trump's mismanagement of the pandemic, and because the Republican Party seeing the economic crisis as an opportunity to get the rich friends richer, not to help real Americans. But the economy is already in bad shape. It's already, the country is already reeling. If that policeman hadn't killed that 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 man, uh, George Floyd, George Floyd in, in in Minneapolis, we'd still be in reeling right now as a country. What's fucked yeah. up? What's fucked up is that if that seventeen-year-old girl didn't have the fucking balls to stand there and videotape that, right? This would have been another. He was resisting arrest. He's now dead. There's no video proof anywhere because every other one of those cops stood around and, and did absolutely fucking and nothing. Cops, and those and they're cops. just as fucking guilty. No, that's right. That's right. And those other cops, I'm glad you said that because the video, if you watch, there's the man, the cop who's killing this, this poor young man, right? And then there's a cop maybe 10 feet away who's standing there like this. like he ain't He's two like, feet like, away! He's almost, he's standing guard to allow his colleague to kill this man. That's the Nuremberg guy. That's the, I was yeah. following orders guy. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and, and I have goosebumps from that. I can't tell. It's giving me chills. The Nuremberg defense is not a defense. It's not a defense. I mean, you know what? This is legit, like, shit that needs to go to the no. Hague. Like, every single one of these motherfuckers. Oh, and now they're not going to... No, no, we, we have a legal system here. Yeah, barely. We put these people away for a long time if that's what we do. How do we do that now? Because that's a really good transition into the fact that this attorney general got up in front of the fucking world and said... Already biting, there might not be enough here to prosecute. We have to wait for the toxicology Bill, report. Because Bill Barr? Bill Barr, no, the woman that said that right, she already General spoke Minnesota, to Bill you know? Barr. I don't I don't know what her name is. It's not. You know what the attorney general for the state of Minnesota is? No. 
It's Keith Ellison. Yes, Keith Ellison was on CNN before, but this woman, maybe she wasn't the attorney general. She was a state attorney or something. She was at the press conference. I don't, her right. name was, none of their Keith names Ellison's were on. Keith not taking any shit on this one. He's not. I saw him this morning on CNN and he's already right, so, waiting. So, so maybe he'll bring, maybe he'll, he'll can bring some justice here. But the point being, someone within the bounds of this prosecution was already in contact with the White House prior right. to coming out on national television and making a side. statement. On the federal side. Correct. Right, right. But that's why you can't make this a federal civil rights case, because the federal government's... You, why would you take a civil rights case to the federal government? It's a white supremacist federal government. Right. Right? That's the problem. But there's another thing here. I want to get back to this. But I think that inflamed... But I think that further inflamed... Yes. The protesters, because they were like, "Well, we're fucked already. They're not yeah, going to prosecute." If you take away the legal recourse. Correct. You do? But you, Correct. you, you mentioned something uh, that was important because you said if this young other young woman hadn't been there, nothing happens, right? Right. But but this is important because this speaks to the violence in the society because so many people, primarily non-white people, are in jail and prison, mass incarceration around the United States. Based on the test of police testimony. Right. Based on police testimony. And what we saw there, these are the kinds of people whose testimony. And if you can strangle a man to death for no reason or for, for no reason, and if you can stand by and, 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 and protect the murderer, not the person being killed, but the murderer in that situation. And that is what happened. Right. And if you can do that, then why would anyone ever trust your testimony. The right. answer is they shouldn't. But the tragedy is that there are tens of thousands of people in jail, probably more, I don't know the exact numbers, because of testimony like that. And that is another marker of how of, of, of the mass of the problem of mass incarceration. But I just want to be clear, one last thought. Mass incarceration is violence. It is violence. Federal prisons are violent, inhumane places. Right. But here's okay, so to that point because Maya Wiley also brought this up, and you made the point before she even made the point. And this is the only time I want to tie in this Central Park thing because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I, I, I'm not, we can, but I don't. She said if George Floyd, everybody's describing George Floyd as a gentle giant. It was this, he was the friend. He's had that NBA. He's the twin with the NBA. Or the Warriors. Yeah, with the Warriors and who has the championship ring. I can't believe I can't remember his name. Right now, that's insulting. But anyway, I, about basketball. I do, and I can't remember his name. And he retired from the league about four Joe years Barry ago. Joe Barry Carroll. Um, huh? Joe Barry Carroll. No. King? But listen, the free. point. The point is, she said, "Would it matter if he was not a gentle giant? Would the treatment of him or the response to his death be any different if he tried to pass?" Like a bad twenty dollar bill, right, exactly. or if he was a felon, and or you said the same thing because Christian Cooper, the guy who's being put on a fucking pedestal in Central Park, which I personally think is inappropriate because there's not the entire story, the vi- the entire videotape is not present or relevant in that particular it, situation. But, but, also, but he's a he's a Harvard educated right, queer bird watcher who happens to be African-American. And you said, what if he wasn't from Harvard? What right. if he wasn't Harvard-educated or on the board of the Audubon Society? What if he was a high school dropout? Right. What if he was wearing different clothes while he was bird-watching? Right. And that's, and that's, and, and, now, and that's, it doesn't matter. 
right? I mean, there, there are ways police need to conduct themselves. But I, I tell you, I think I've told you the story before, but and I, and I won't repeat the names. But I was at a uh, having a discussion with someone who was close to the Trumps, and we were talking about the Central Park Five, who yeah. were accused in this very uh, uh, and, and and Donald Trump really went over the top. They shaked the death penalty. Turns out they hadn't, hadn't done it, right? You've all heard about this. And I said, you know, this is really fucked up. Like, you ruined these guys' lives. He's not you. These guys' lives right. were ruined. Uh, not ruined, but badly damaged, very traumatic, and they hadn't done anything. And he said, oh, does it really matter? Oh. That, that they got the wrong guys. Implicitly, this guy was white, implicitly saying, well, look, did you know? How did you not, like, fall over when he said that? I would have, like, gasped I, I for to, air and been like, to, what? It was, it was one of those moments. But, but, so you understand what he was saying. It doesn't matter. There are five young black guys. Put them away. It doesn't matter, right? That's what he was saying. Now, this is a guy who has whispered in Trump's ear. These are the kind of people they are. These are the kind of people they are. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't, I feel like I don't know what to say, to be honest. I feel like it's, it's almost as if at this point, and I said something and I wrote, you know, I tagged a piece of trash today. Fuck Trump like I always do and hashtag justice for George. And you kind of feel like I you feel like you're doing something not enough. You feel like you right. can say something. It's never enough. You And it's I, I think it may be similar. I mean, maybe people may feel the same way when it comes to anti-Semitism. I don't really know if, if you're not walking in those shoes. Obviously, you don't understand the pain. You don't understand the life I have. I. People know my background, my situation, and where I've worked, and who I've worked with, and what I've like dedicated my all of my chosen careers to up until a up until a certain point, and then I you know still stayed involved in because that is where my heart is at. But I think for me it's hard because every time you turn around, it's always like you feel like it's not good enough. Like there's something like your white privilege is going to continue to hold you back. And somebody on on Instagram actually tweeted and I posted it because she responded because I said in my post you feel like you're doing something I'm tagging fucking garbage does it get a message out there does it put a message out there does it let people know how I feel and like I would want to do more I would tell me how I can do more educate me on how I can do more I'm willing to learn how to do more I understand the position that I'm in uh very clearly uh and then she wrote back which I thought was so profound keep screaming, your name is being mentioned in rooms that you haven't even walked into yet. And blessing. And I was like, "What? that's really deep because, you know, it doesn't... Somebody might read that and it may impact right. somebody or somebody might see it. I mean, and it is just to let people know. And the bottom line of why I write fuck Trump, especially in this neighborhood, is to, is to put a signal out that that shit is not tolerated, at least by me here. But, you know, I mean, I, th- I think that we do have to be in touch with our privilege, right? And we have to be aware of that. On the other hand, it doesn't take... I can't experience what it's like to be George Floyd or a friend of his or something like that, right? I can't. I can't pretend to. But I can know that what happened to him is wrong. Correct. Those are two different things. And, and as people, you know, as, as a white middle-class person, I have to, if you can't do that, then you really got a problem. Right. You know? And if you do that, then you know once you once you can figure that out, which shouldn't take much, then you know there's some bigger picture fucked up things going on. And and I think we and, and so so the privilege here, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the burger because I know I know 
some of the things that, that, that you know about that too. But, but it's important but, for other people to know because that's what infuriates me, that the entire but, story is not getting out. And I'm not but, saying but I want, it to— But I wanna, one thing I want to say is this. When she called and said, an African-American man, she was indeed asking the cops to come in and do her dirty work for her. And she should know that cops frequently shoot after— Oh, I thought the binoculars looked like a machine gun, right? People right. have died. So— so my point, forgetting the story, my point is that we all need to know that and to not know that, not with regards to a burger in Central Park, but for example, like in, in the building where I live, there's people who hang out on my stoop all the time, often smoking pot, right? I don't care. Right. Right. I mean, but, but sometimes I do care. I have this ferocious dog. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. But, but, but she knows that when I'm on a media call to, to be quiet, so she's being silent. I have this ferocious dog who every now and then might bark, but might not, right? But if I go out there and there's someone on the stoop, like, sometimes they, they go away, sometimes they don't. I, I don't care. But, but the point is this. If I did care, if I asked them to leave nicely, right, and they don't, if I then call the police on them, I have to know. I would never do that unless they're, like, threatening me violently, which was never happened. And even then, I'd probably just go back inside my house and get my shillelagh, right? Right. Um, do you need to explain to people what a shillelagh is, so, or, or do most people understand? I know, a shillelagh is a traditional Irish club. It's about a, maybe maybe two and a half feet long. It's got a heavy knob on the end, and you could kill somebody by hitting him over the head with it. It's and my grandfather, who was um, born in Lower East Side of Manhattan and grew up in the Bronx and lived his entire life, you know, his primary residence was in, was in the Bronx or Manhattan, you know, in some of the times when there was a rougher town, would... <laughs> That's great. Like in the 70s, in the 1970s, he'd, we'd go on walks and he would carry the You need shillelagh. to actually send me a picture of it so I can post it with the, tw- with, with okay. the rant because and he people need to see it. he would carry the shillelagh with him. And when he died, he was beloved by his uh, grandchildren and, and his two daughters. And, and we were taking some of his personal affects. And my aunt and I, we both wanted the shillelagh. And then he had a bust of FDR. And, and she got the bust of FDR and I got the shillelagh. I think you came out on top on that one. But finish your story about the guys on the stoop. No, but, but if I call the cops on the guys on the stoop, I know that, that I could be really fucking up their lives. Maybe they get beat up. Maybe they get shot. Maybe they get booked on something that some white kid in the neighborhood wouldn't and they can't get a job or go to college, right? If I, I know that, so I don't. And if you don't know that and you're a white person, right. that's, white, that's the kind of white privilege that, that, that concerns me when I look at the story of the burger in the park because you don't call the cops in that situation. That guy... I understand. Like he does sound like something out of, but but maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's. Maybe he was picking on the dog. Maybe he wasn't. Whatever. You walk away. Right. Walk I don't under. I don't understand why she just didn't take her fucking dog, turn her back, and walk the fuck away. Right, because he wasn't going to hurt her. Even uh, though he was a large African American man, he wasn't going to hurt her, and she probably knew that. That's where the privilege comes in. Correct. And that is a hundred percent right, and that is right, and that is why I wish that if pe- when people talked about that in correlation to everything else going on, that would be the tack that they take. Right, but I think there's been some of that, but but everyone is, likes to celebrate him because this is a funny story that like you know anyway, anyway. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know where we go from here. I I, I really think that things are just either going to horribly protests are popping up everywhere. Violence is now happening everywhere. People are getting arrested everywhere. 
There's no, they're, they're letting, somebody actually made a comment on the, the guy from Bayblock. He said, he said they're purposely letting those buildings burn. They're not trying to get to them. They're not trying to put the yeah. fires out. They're not trying to control anything because they want all of the white establishment wants to turn around and say, look what you did to your city. Right. And then they want to be able to do other things with it. Right. Right. To turn to condos or something. Right. So we're basically now we're extra doubly fucked. And I just wanted, I wanted to talk about that because I think you raised, I, th- I thought you raised a, real, a lot of really good points and you have a very good insight into this. And I'm, I'm just complete, I, I'm at a loss. I, I'm just lost, to be completely honest, because you sit here feeling, you're, you're locked in your apartment, you're dealing with a fucking pandemic. This is, you want to do something, you want to stand up, you want to say yeah. something, you want to participate. We need, we need to find creative ways to protest in the pandemic age beyond simply retweeting. Right. You know? That's the challenge. And I do we that by writing children. fuck Trump on garbage and then posting it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe that brings down the government. I don't know. Yeah, it, right. uh, if it doesn't bring out the government, at least it makes me feel a little bit better. It makes me feel like I'm doing at least a little. Yeah, whatever gets you through the night, right? A little I mean, bit of something. All right, yeah. Linky. All right. Hang in there. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, it's Saturday, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you at the park. All right. All right, I'm going to go buy a bat now. Okay, good job. All right, all right, good job. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I think the best way to end this, and this is pretty deep, and it's it's a tough, it's a tough, difficult topic. It's emotional. It's raw. It's it's disconcerting. It's it's unbelievable that this is America, and actually, maybe it's not so fucking unbelievable. I don't I don't know. Like you start to talk. I think the most important thing at this point is you need to have empathy. You need to have understanding. You need to know yourself. You need to know your position and your place, where you fall on the societal spectrum, and you need to be willing to have the difficult conversations. You need to find your friends. You need to reach out to people. You need to reach out to groups and organizations and find a way to contribute, to participate, to be part of the change, to be part of the solution, to be part of making this a better planet in so many ways. For so many people, for so many marginalized groups of people. Uh, And, you know, it's the only way it's going to get better. It's the only way things are going to start to change. It's the only way we're going to continue to bend the arc of justice. And the motherfucking arc needs to be seriously fucking bent. (laughs) Like, bent, bent. And... Um, I'm willing to talk to anybody. I'm willing to listen to anybody. I'm willing to, you want to, you want to, you have thoughts, you have opinions, you have feelings, you know where to find me. Um, you, we all could use some help. Um, you have to walk in someone's shoes. You have to sit down and, and, and talk to someone and you have to experience things. You have to, you have to be fucking present. I think that's the most important thing is you have to be present and you have to, have your eyes wide the fuck open and your head on a swivel and you need to be aware of what's going on around you and you need to talk to people that are in it, have been around it, have lived it and breathed it. And I think that is whether you're uh, based on your race, based on your religion, based on your gender, based on your sexuality. I think it, 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 it touches on so many facets of society and it's just... It's overwhelming. It's exa- it's it's exhausting because you actually need to use your brain to think 
and to feel and to not close yourself off because it's easy for you to do that and because you have a privilege and you have the ability to do that. It, it takes strength. It, it actually, it, it, it takes strength to have those conversations that you may be scared to have. It takes strength to go into those situations that you may be hesitant to walk into. Uh, but know that there are people there that appreciate you making the effort. If it is a heartfelt, sincere effort, and I can tell you from my life's experience and situations that I have been in and places that I have worked, if you are sincere in your heart, if you are a person who is true to themselves and walks the walk and talks the talk, then there is no question. No one will ever question your motives of why you are somewhere or why you work somewhere or why you choose to live somewhere. It is the people that choose to not do those things and don't come correct. And that is why I love, you come correct. Your word is all you have. Your word and your actions and your actions speak louder than your words. And sometimes though, I use my words and I run my mouth and I have put myself in situations where I've called people out. And I, I will say it again, louder for the people in the back. If I see you doing something wrong, if I think that I think you're doing, I will call, I, I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care about your job. I don't care about this color of your skin. I don't care about your gender, your sexuality. I don't care where you work. I don't care about the clothes you're wearing. I don't care what you're smoking. I don't give a fuck. And I will also stand up for you in the same goddamn motherfucking way. And I have done that more times than I care to count. I've been threatened countless times. This is, and this is not a scorecard. This is not a fucking competition. But for those of you that don't know, and I'm more than happy to talk about all of those experiences. And, and when you know, you know. And I know that my people know. But I think it's, it's, it's a point in time. It is an inflection point. It is a turning point. It is, it is a scary as fuck. If you are not scared in some way right now, then there's something wrong with you. If you are not in some way hurting or trying to help, there's something, you, there's something wrong with you. And you need to check yourself. And, and you need to figure that out. And you need, you, need to, you need to find ways to better yourself. We all need to learn. We all need to grow. We all need to improve. There are all things that, that, that we can work on to not only make ourselves better, to then make those people that we come into contact with better for coming into contact with us. This isn't inevitably to change everybody. This is to continue to perpetuate the goodness in humanity because you can't give up on fucking humanity because then what? And that is, I think, the point. Like, now what? Now what? And now we figure it out because we figure out, like Lincoln said, how to engage in change, in protesting, in solidarity, when we can't even go get on a train and get down the fuck town. You can't get anywhere. You can if you choose to go somewhere. Some people are paralyzed by the pandemic. Not, so kudos to everyone that stepped out in the street with a mask to protest peacefully, to protest, to express their feelings, to express their rage, to express their anger, their frustration, their disappointment, their fear, their anger, their rage, 
They're disgust. Because everyone's fed the fuck up, and that is, that is where we're at. So for everybody that continues to step out into the street, kudos to them. I'm not there yet. <laughs> as much as I want to be standing there, it's, it, it wouldn't do me any good, nor would do anybody else any good. I, I know. And you, you need to be comfortable with where you're at. But in order to grow, sometimes growing is a painful, uncomfortable process. And we all know that. I'm going to get off my fucking high horse because I don't even know how high it is. And I don't even know if that's... I hope you all are interpreting that in the way it's meant to be interpreted, which is basically I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where all I want to do is help and I want and I need help in figuring out the best way to help. So if you have any thoughts, suggestions, uh, like, like that Instagram response was super helpful to me and it really meant a lot that she took the time to respond to the fact that I wasn't sure I was helping enough and that was really touched me because it really makes it, it lets you know that when you think you're doing the minimum even the minimum may make a difference and counts so don't think that not do you know whatever you can do is not insignificant it's it's continuing to perpetuate that and and not stopping and not being content until everybody can walk down the street until everybody's liberty is never threatened until everybody can go for a jog until no one gets thrown in a fucking cage until no one gets killed for living their truth I mean Jesus fucking Christ I can only say that I just I really hope that 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 things will get better and I and I you have to believe that on they will or else or or, or then what so if, if thoughts feelings opinions all welcome I'm on the Twitter at Small Pencil Club. Go follow Lincoln on the Instagram at Lincoln A. Mitchell for his Mitchell Minutes, which are extremely informative, as always. Uh, follow him on uh, the Twitter at Lincoln Mitchell. Go check out his website, LincolnMitchell.com. He's going to be doing um, big talks about baseball and, um, you know, the pandemic and opening and where we're going from here and it, all of this political stuff as we get close to the election with voter fraud and, and all, you know, all of these racial relations and the justice system, just everything. Just go follow Lincoln is basically what I'm saying. And come hang out at the jam. We try for an hour to dance. It helps. We have a great group of people that hang, the jam fam. Uh, they dip in, they dip out. Thanks to Bayblock for like, you know, dipping in and dropping, you know, things to talk about with Lincoln and you know, always, you know, posting the facts and what he sees happening down in uh, the Dirty Jurors. And um, Franklin moderates the jam, and there's Wong, and there's Mary Beth, and there's the Dominican, and there's Anna, and there's Carolyn, there's Chicago's in the house, and Blue, and uh, Galoosh, and, you know, we got we, everybody, Cass. We, I, I mean, you know, just come and meet the peeps and talk and hang for an hour every night on the Instagram at doodleheads uh, un until then I'm going to wrap it because I'm at this point just a rambling hot fucking mess uh, for a change and I really want something to eat so I can emotionally eat my feelings because that's where I'm at right now I think I'll just go throw on Despicable Me for the 9,000th time and uh, see where that goes stay safe wear a mask wash your hands Check on your people and uh, be a good human being. Find some compassion and find some empathy. And let's just get some justice for not only for George, but for everyone who sadly had to come before George 
and hopefully there will not be anyone after George. And if that is not the most ignorance, because there will sadly probably be someone after George until we get this shit fixed and until our federal government is not run by a Nazi white supremacist shithole. So until the next time, find the hope, find the light, find a way, make a better day. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Peace and hair grease.